0: time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast.
1: We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists.
0: We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite.
1: We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs.
0: Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes.
1: We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back, everyone. I'm Cody. Hi, I'm Kathy. And you are listening to the Weight Endurance Podcast, and we are on to episode number 62, which happens to be installment number four of our event prep series that we are doing because we're kind of in the throes of a racing block with our development team. And all these like topics and questions and things have been... On our mind. Yeah,
0: right in front of our faces. Right in front of our
1: faces, yes. Um, so this episode, we are going to talk specifically about, about race fueling. hmm Super key element of racing, probably among the most important elements.
0: We get a lot of questions about race warm-ups and race fueling. hmm But I think this is the number one topic or question to get an answer to in order to optimize your race performance
1: right because you can have a suboptimal warm-up for Mm -hmm. whatever reason and still race okay right Um, right right but if you sort of botch your fueling you are not going to race as well as you could you can still get to the finish line and that's where people get a little bit confused sometimes but you're not going to race as fast as you could had you fueled properly
0: Exactly. I feel very passionate about <laughs> this topic because I, I see now, um, specifically from watching the We Devo Riders race and from watching kids in the Nike series, the high school series race for the past few years, I see now in my own race history that for years and years I did not fuel well. And I had good results, really great results. I was mm-hmm. on the podium a lot, you know, national championship and triathlon for ex Triathlon, but I really kind of shudder to think of all the wasted opportunities to be um, faster and better and place better and like all all the training I put in, but then I would sort of self-sabotage by not fueling enough.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you can be super fit and well-prepared and then not consume enough fuel on race day and you're leaving time on the table.
0: Yeah, so I feel really passionate about it, so I, I guess I really get on the Diva writers, and I'm excited just to talk about it today.
1: Great. But before we do, um, let's mention our sponsor, The Pressery. Um, they make fresh-made, cold-shipped broth and noodles, um, bone broth specifically, that I'm in love with. Um, now you can order online, where previously you had to find them in stores, which is challenging, depending on where you lived and what stores you were nearby. Um, but now you can order online at Pressery.com and have the fresh-made noodles, like ramen packs, and bone broth shipped right to your door, which is great. We're I on love the su-
0: opening the front door and having the box there.
1: Yeah, we're on the subscription order, um, and you, our listeners, can get 10 bucks off your one-time order or your regular subscri- subscription order using the code WAIT10 at Pressery.com. So that's W-A-I-T-E and the number 10, all capitals, um, to get the 10 bucks off the um, your order. It's wonderful. So give it a, give it a shot. It's good stuff. I'm addicted to it. Um, so let's dig into the race fueling stuff. Cause it, I know it's a popular question and, and topic. Um, and to kind of as a start off, just to let you guys know, we're going to come at this from not so much a science point of view in terms of like scientists testing people in laboratories and doing double blind placebos, blah, blah, blah. Because I, I feel like that stuff is very useful and helpful in sort of getting people started with the fueling concept. But we're coming at it from a real-world perspective because, like we say in our intro, we're not doctors or scientists. We are coaches and and also athletes. But we've coached hundreds of athletes over the years and have seen you know, how important the fueling is and what fueling requirement is there. And we can put it, hopefully, in a fairly simple way to understand it and grasp it. Perfect, right? Cuz you struggle with the concept of like I need this many grams per kilogram oh, yeah, of body weight <laughs> I
0: don't like have a like a um, a concept of what a gram is. I don't know why. Like it doesn't <laughs> it just doesn't like click with me. Like calories I I get. So I just think in terms of how many gel packets do I need to consume to get through this to race get through this at race? my yeah.
1: highest power output possible? Yeah,
0: I, I know that some people like love the grams and divided by your body weight and blah, 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 but it doesn't make sense to me.
1: Right. So that's where we're coming at is this real world application. So hopefully you guys will find this helpful. But before we dig in, it's kind of a quick like, why do we need to fuel um, to sort of set up how we fuel? Um, and in a nutshell, we've talked about this before on the show different times, but we have uh, carbohydrates stored in our body in the form of glycogen, okay? And we're going to use the word carbohydrate and sugars interchangeably. And
0: carbohydrate, glycogen, sugars, and carbohydrates. Right.
1: So, And glycogen is the stored form of the sugars or carbohydrates in our body. So our body has this ability to store glycogen the more fit you are, uh, often the more glycogen you can pack away and store in your muscles, um, which is great but we have a very limited supply of this glycogen roughly around 2000 calories. Um, I don't know the exact amount, but I think around two thirds of that is stored within our muscles themselves that are doing the work. And then another third or so is stored in our liver, um, that can then be released kind of wherever we need the, the calories. Um, and another little side note to understand too, is that our brain relies solely on glucose Mm -hmm. and draws upon our glycogen storage as well to operate and function. And that's why when glycogen levels start to decline and get somewhat sparse, like we get that brain foggy i.e. bonking type feeling where it's hard to like operate.
0: Yeah, and it's actually pretty dangerous if you're in a mountain bike race or a road race. I mean, you're going at high speeds, there's technical features or other people around, and if your brain is foggy and you can't make quick decisions and kind of grab all the stimulation around you and and, and yeah, and make the right move, you're going to hurt yourself.
1: Right. So it's super critical to keep like glyc- like spare glycogen, but also be in order to well, as one strategy to spare glycogen is to be consuming carbohydrates or sugars while we are racing. Mm-hmm. And that will, that the, the carbohydrates we consume as much is the easiest to absorb and access and put to work right away. That's what your body is going to use first. Then you have your stored glycogen in your muscles. And then the last resort is that stored glycogen in your liver. When But when you start to get to that point, it, you're, Especially in a race, it's, sort of, it's over of that like point. Like you're,
0: comp- you're compromising your speed.
1: Yeah, you're no longer going to have a good race <laughs> at that <laughs> point. Um, you can get to the finish line, but you won't necessarily ha- have done it as quickly as you could have. Um, so it's super critical to keep the blood sugar up so we can keep our pace up, our power up, and get across the line as quickly as possible. Yeah, I keep possible.
0: saying this phrase to the writers on our WeDevo team, like, sugar unleashes your power. Right. It, it it make I sort of see like the sugar molecules as like little superheroes in capes, and they're like going through our bloodstream and like unleashing the power that's stored in there. Because they've all all those writers and you and I, we've done the training over the last year. But if you don't consume the sugar in the race, you're not going to unleash those little superhero molecules.
1: Exactly, because again, not to get overly sciency, because I am not a scientist, but yeah, you're basically using the carbohydrate molecules with oxygen and there's that reaction in the Krebs cycle and to, you know ATP and that's what creates power um, there you go to continue going so it it's definitely um, critical so back to glycogen we have about 2,000 ish calories depends on the person of that energy stored in our body um, mostly in our muscles so that equates to for most people, somewhere around two hours worth of go, of energy to get to, to get across from start to finish, right? So it becomes very obvious that, okay, if I'm going to line up and I'm planning to do the six-hour race and I have two hours of stored glycogen, obviously I need to consume sugar. So people kind of get that concept. But one thing that I think where a lot of people miss the boat and sort of struggle with is when they're doing events that are like, Less than two mm-hmm. hours, so I'm thinking specifically: cyclocross races, criteriums, cross country mountain biking. Um, you know, uh, a shorter circuit race, maybe in a in a road. Like a time race, trial race, time either on the road or on a trail. Um, they're thinking, okay, I've got two hours of energy. I really don't need to yeah. fuel a whole lot. I can, I can do this. Um, but what's, you
0: can, you but can, but it just won't be optimal.
1: Yes, so the power that you're producing is relying on the carbohydrates to keep power up. As soon as your blood sugar starts to dip, and then you have to really start dipping into relying heavily on muscle glycogen, it's a little slower to process. Uh, And ultimately just to put simply your power just will drop and it won't be as high as it Mm -hmm. could or should be um, within that race. So it is even still critical to consume a large amount of calories. In sugar, carbohydrate-based calories for shorter duration events that are well under, say, three, you know, two even two hours.
0: Right, and um, all the racing should... you and I and the team have been doing over the past couple of months has been anywhere between that 20-minute range and, like, the 90-minute range. We've right. done some short track or time trial races that were 20 to 30 minutes, and we've done cross-country-style races that were an hour to 90 minutes, Right. And it's crucial. And I, like after the races, I always look at um, lap splits for for myself and for the riders in the team. And it's pretty obvious who fueled well and who didn't fuel, fueled, fuel well once I've looked at the lap times.
1: Absolutely. That's yeah. really
0: kind of fun Yeah, see. with the
1: cross country, like the XCO style cross country mountain biking where they're roughly like 15 to 20 minute laps. It is really eye opening to see, especially when the when a racer is doing, you know, four, five, six laps or more. Mm-hmm to see that exactly. Um, and there's so many times too, when you see a racer finish a race of that nature and you know, their power dropped off and they kind of slowed down, they lost some places, whatever that they're like, Oh, my endurance isn't there. Right. Right. Like, and this was maybe a 90 minute race total. You know, I need to, I need to go do some more long rides. I got to get my endurance up when in fact it's like, no, you have plenty of long rides. You can go ride your bike for several hours at a time your endurance is not the problem what happened there is your blood sugar got completely Mm -hmm. depleted and you were you weren't bonking because you still had carbohydrates you could still stored carbohydrates you could still pedal you could still get across the finish line you could still go that distance but you weren't going as fast as you could and you inevitably slowed down as you went and that's directly related to blood sugar and carbohydrate consumption
0: that ties right into that sort of the next topic we wanted to address was like the mistakes that athletes make in a race or why people don't fuel well in a race. Yes. Um, And I I think, gosh, it could be so many things, but speaking from personal experience, number one to me is they don't fully like grasp or believe how important it is. Right. I know you told me for years, like, okay, we have this mountain bike race in Winter Park tomorrow or the triathlon in Beaver Creek here's what your strategy should be. You're going to have this flask where your, your calories and And I heard you, but I didn't like hear you. Like I didn't believe it enough. I didn't really see that it was like literally crucial for my, my best performance. And it was really only until I started watching the young writers in those lapped courses that I, and I saw them fall back and it was like a light bulb went on Mm -hmm. over my head, like in a cartoon, like, Oh my God. It's so true. Yeah, it's it, and it wasn't that I didn't believe you before, but it's like that, like that, like true knowing inside of why you have to do this. Right.
1: Well, you, maybe you didn't see it like you then did with the, yeah. our young riders doing cross country. You know, the shorter courses. Right. Or if you don't have, so so if you're doing a lapped event, you mm-hmm. can see what your time is, your pace essentially, and if that differs or or falls or if you have a power meter on your bike you can see like your power declines over time as well in those types of efforts as your blood sugar mm, dips and... right
0: that's that's insightful cody i we were not doing lapped courses ourselves ourselves back at the then, yeah. yeah back then and i don't know if i ever went back and looked at my power data and for a long time i didn't actually have a power meter on my mountain bike
1: right right so um so the, yeah you just didn't have like the concrete evidence in mm-hmm. front of you right it was like yeah. you were going more on a feeling and I think that's what people often tend to do and kind of tied in with that too is they'll say well I didn't feel hungry you know why do I need to consume I calories yeah why do I need a gel I, I didn't feel hungry the problem is that when you get to the point of feeling hungry It's like that ship has already sailed. That means your blood sugar has dropped when you start feeling hungry and your body's saying feed me because I need to get my blood sugar back up and our brains need sugar and um, glucose to to do their thing Mm -hmm. and then obviously our muscles do to do their thing. And so when you get to the point where you're hungry from a high performance standpoint that ship has sailed and you should never in racing or really in training for that matter get to the point where you're quote unquote hungry on the bike, you know. Um, I mean, even in a long endurance ride, it's like keep fueling properly. You're not really hungry when you get back. You know, you take a recovery shake. You may not even want it necessarily. And we see this in the in these races, just to kind of stay on topic with race fueling. But when you finish a hard race and you fueled properly, you know you you shouldn't be hungry ever, um, because you've missed the boat at that point. If you're right, if you're hungry. Right. Um, So I think that's a mistake that riders, like a a mistaken, like, thought pattern or Mm -hmm. process that, like, oh, I have a 75-minute race ahead of me. You know, I'm not hungry. Why should I take a gel? But they're missing the point that their power is declining as their blood sugar gets depleted.
0: Another reason I think athletes don't fuel well in races is that they don't like the taste or the texture of the available gels or products they have. Okay. I mean, I think that was my problem as well, is I I didn't care for the traditional gels. I like could barely like, even physically get them out of the package. It was always like a lot of work. It would like gag me. I'd have to like grab my water bottle then and gulp it down like I was taking a vitamin or a pill. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't like it.
1: Yeah, so you need to figure out what... Find something you do like, or at least can tolerate, uh, whether it be a gel or a drink. Those are the two most often or easily consumable, especially when we're racing, um, options to get calories in, but finding the right brand or consistency or flavor or whatever that may be for the person. Yeah.
0: Or vehicle. Like if you don't like to swallow a gel or you don't want to chew on some sort of gummy, maybe you're going to consume all your calories in a, like a fluid form and Mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine too. But if you're going to choose that option, you need to be able to, um, have the skills and comfortability to grab that water bottle off the out of the water cage and can and drink it and put it back. And sometimes the terrain of that particular race doesn't lend itself as well to a, a caloric um, like a fluid right. t- in, uh, source. Right. So all things to consider. But um, and then one other reason I don't think. Uh, sometimes people get fuel in is that they forget. Like they have. Oh, for sure. Yeah, maybe they believe it, and they 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 have like five gels in their pocket. They have a flask, and, you know, a water bottle. They have everything there, and then they just forget.
1: Right. They're in the heat of the moment of the race, and right. Suddenly they're more than halfway through, and oh, I haven't taken anything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'm pretty sure you can set little beepers and timers on your your fancy watches and your head units. Um, so. If that is you, if you're new to the sport or new to fueling um, promptly and quickly, then set yourself a timer. It's easiest if you're in a, a cross-country course where you're lapped and then we just take a gel every lap. And I mean, that's how it was in Utah this weekend. The easiest, yeah. uh, there was a wonderful paved road that went through the feed zone and kind of went up a little hill so you could slow down. There was plenty of time to pull that gel out of a pocket, you know, rip it off and, and take it. It doesn't always happen that way, like on, a, on a, like a longer cross-country course. So you just have to, like, be aware and be committed to that time to right. take the gel.
1: Right, right. And a lot of that is habitual, too, of, like, practice, right, and doing more races. And that might tie back into why we do, like, those the first episode of this little series of the early season races and our BNC races.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Of practicing things, so fueling is definitely one of them. Um, so let's get into the nitty gritty of like what exactly should you eat and how much and that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. So in general, when we're racing and we're talking about events, let's say that's about an hour to upwards of like ten to twelve hours. Okay. Quite
0: so the range. It's a
1: big range, um, depending on um, what event you're going for, but to me, that's like racing range. When you start doing events that are beyond that 10, 12 hour range, it's, the The intensity level drops is so low that it, it's a little bit different topic and subject of.
0: I agree with you. I mean, at that point, on. if you're doing a 24 hour race, you're probably stopping and having like a bowl of noodles. Well, they and eat pizza. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's yeah. not what we're talking about.
1: Right, and like ultra runners can, you know, they're doing these ridiculously long things, and you know, then we're talking a a lot more about like using fat for fuel and things like that. So we're not going to steer into that. We're going to stay into the relatively short range of, say, an hour to, to a 10-hour race, uh, which is still a big range, but at that intensity level, you're relying heavily on carbohydrates, if not exclusively when we're talking about, say, sub-two hours. Um, so when we're at these intensities, depending on the duration and the intensity level and and at the person to some degree, we're burning somewhere around a 1,000 calories an hour. So, it, say, between 800 and 1,200 calories per hour. Um, and as a side note, if you have a power meter, you can actually set a screen on there and it will tell you how many calories you burned over, over the race. But you can also see like the real time. Um, I know with my Wahoo, at least I think Garmin's probably the same. You can see literally like, just like you can see your real time power, you can see the real time calories consumption, um, and that's kind of interesting to see as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: n- not something you would check during a race, but something to check during a, like a long ride and a, a higher-intensity interval workout so you get an idea of how many calories per hour your body is burning.
1: Right. So if we're going to – let's just stick with round numbers. If we're burning, say, 1,000 calories an hour racing, um, there's no way you're going to consume 1,000 calories per hour, um, but you want to shoot for as many as possible – Per hour that you can absorb um, and and tolerate in your system. There's a lot of debate out there, like how much is what and um, and all that sort of thing. I'll try to keep it as simple and easy to understand as possible. Um, but for for the longest time, it it used to be thought that you know about um, 250 to 300 calories per hour was what you wanted to shoot for and what someone can tolerate and what they're discovering in some scientific research lately the latest research is showing that the different types of sugars that you consume so we have glucose and fructose are the two primary ones there's also um lactose which is in dairy products which isn't quite as useful then there's other combinations like sucrose like table sugar is a combination of glucose and fructose but the two primary ones are glucose and fructose that if you are consuming com- entirely glucose, your body has like the, picture it is like a, a tube that the glucose can go through and be processed into, into energy. If all you're consuming is glucose, that tube gets filled up fairly quickly. Mm. But you also have this other tube that can handle the fructose because they're processed a little bit differently. So what they found is if you have the, a a the proper ratio, you know, a combination of the two, glucose and fructose, in your caloric consumption, that then you're kind of splitting these calories going down these two different tubes that you can get more total calories into your system.
0: That's a great image.
1: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I really like it. Yeah. I so have heard this one. So if you picture the one tube and you're flooding it with glucose, it's sort of like if you had so much water coming out of your shower that you know, it couldn't go down the drain all at once. So you start kind of building up and it can cause some GI distress. Mm-hmm. And that's where people, you would see this a lot with, um, you know, the longer endurance racing stuff is if you're like consuming mostly just glucose, you know, like a a, a maltodextrin um, drink or something that you, you're getting kind of like backed up and that causes the GI issues, maybe the gut cramping or just, you know, bloating, things like that. But if you have a mixture of glucose that now can flow through the glucose stream Mm -hmm. real easily, and then you're getting additional calories from fructose, it can go through that pathway. And in total, you're getting more carbohydrates, sugars per hour um, into your system.
0: Well, you have to diversify your sugar profile or portfolio. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> like your stock portfolio.
1: <laughs> so that's why a lot of the modern, you know, current drinks and gels out there are now becoming a combination of glucose and fructose. So you might see that on the label. That might be like a thing they're kind of marketing, and it, it that that part is definitely real. And what they're finding is that now people, test subjects, are figuring out they can consume. Uh, I mean. 100 up to 100 or i've heard of even more than 100 grams which is 400 calories of carbohydrates as a mix of glucose and fructose per hour which is now getting close to almost like half of what you're burning per hour at high intensities which is
0: i think that's about what i was consuming in the races like i remember in white tanks when i got done with the 90 minute race i think i'd had six gels which includes the one at the race start and a full bottle of calories, which was another three hundred calories. So I'd had ninety, or sorry, um, nine hundred calories in ninety minutes.
1: Okay, yeah. So yeah, and I remember you did really well fueling, and I that,
0: and that I race. was like, I never felt like I was fading at all. I felt stronger as I went.
1: Right, and that's exactly why you want to fuel to avoid that that fading. Um, so it all comes down to what you can absorb. So in general, as a like a ballpark statement, I tell our athletes, like, let's try to hover somewhere around the 300 calorie per hour range while you're racing. If you can tolerate more, and it is trainable, try to work yourself up to more. If that's a little too much, then start where you are, and again, just build up from there. But I would say it's like a minimum, like 300 calories per hour. So that breaks down then to 100 calories, which is a common calorie range for like a gel, every 20 minutes right um and that's kind of the in my opinion like the the pace at which you should be consuming those carbohydrates is every roughly 15 to 20 minutes about 100 calories so if, if you have this good combination and gut tolerance of with the glucose and fructose mm-hmm. you can get 100 calories every 15 minutes that's 400 an hour you're gonna ne- practically never fade you know if it's if you're a, more like every 20 minutes, that's still 300 calories per hour. That's still a really solid place to be from there. But if you're waiting to take a gel every half an hour or 45 minutes, you're going to, especially if it's a longer event, but in, in any event, it's gonna, you're going to start to see some power fade, I think.
0: I think so. And I talked with one of the boys on the team, and he had forgotten to take a gel coming through to start his second lap. Mm-hmm. And then he also forgot to take one starting his last lap and actually his last two laps he was his time his lap times noticeably noticeably dropped off Mm -hmm. and I I suspect that it was just even missing that one gel coming through to start the second lap it's like he got a little bit of a gap and so instead of every 20 minutes it was like 35 minutes where he got um Mm. a boost to his sugar right his sugar flow exactly because it catches up to you later.
1: Oh, it definitely catches up to you. And so, longer races are certainly more critical um, in keeping up with this. And oftentimes, because the pace is a little slower in a longer race, you know, it doesn't feel like you need a lot of calories in the first hour or two, or even maybe three, but you do because, like you said, it catches up later on. Um, okay so we talked about gels Uh, that's one way to do it if you're not a gel person and prefer liquid um, you can there's definitely products out there to do that as well so you're looking for um, again a bottle say a typical bike bottle with 360 calories or so about 90 grams of carbohydrates and consuming that um, every hour so if you're taking like a pretty big gulp or two every 10 minutes say then you'll probably finish that bottle over the course of the hour, and you get that nice steady stream of carbohydrates going in. I tend to be more of a liquid consumer myself. Um, I think in most cases, especially shorter races, but um, the gels these days, well, the we really like the Science and Sport gels, and we're not sponsored by them, but we just have sought them out as our preferred product um, because they are easier to get down. Um, they're a little bulkier to carry, but they're they're easier to consume and. They work really well in my. Well, I
0: would argue actually they're easier to grab out of your pocket because they're like a long tube versus a little squatty um, traditional gel packet that like hides down your pocket. True,
1: but you can only fit so many in your pocket because they're bigger. That's true. Um,
0: but I can actually swallow those pretty easily. I It's the first gel product that I like.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I think a race, kind of to summarize it all, like what uh, race feeling could. Could and should look like for people, um, and let's talk. Well, let's talk two things because there, there it is different, I guess, on the different durations. And our minds right now are just fixed on cross country racing because mm-hmm. that's what we've been um, deep in for the last six weeks here. But for a cross country mountain bike race or any event that's say one hour to two hours long, you want to get your warm up in. We talked about that in the last episode, and. Remember while you're warming up, you're burning through your glycogen stores. So take a gel about 10 minutes before you know before you start. So after you've finished your warm up, make sure you get a gel. Um, if you maybe even sipped a carbohydrate drink during your warm-up too is not a bad idea. So you're not getting into glycogen stores before you've even started racing. And then off you go on your race and I think, and correct me what you think, but I think every 15 to 20 minutes, that should be. Looks.
0: Oh, am I? Okay. No, no, no. I'm. I'm right there with you. Okay. I, my funny look is that I was recalculating how many calories I did. Oh, in your cow cal- computing. Sorry. In I hand. um. Okay. I don't think I did. The nine, look on your
1: face was so funny. Like I was
0: pooping my pants or Maybe something. Maybe I'm but, something wrong. No, I don't think I took six gels in the white tanks. So it was like four. So anyway, regardless of my faulty calculations, I totally agree with you. Tell yourself every fifteen to twenty minutes, and that way, if it's twenty to twenty-five, it's better than telling yourself every thirty minutes than it's every forty-five minutes to right, take it. Right. So every twenty minutes is like really ideal to right. take. Just grab that gel, um, swallow it down, or grab your water bottle.
1: Right. Exactly. And as race durations do get longer, it actually doesn't. It's not that much different. Um, the, you know, the more I think about it, maybe the composition of the calories you're consuming can change. So. As durations get longer, intensity lowers, then you can start getting into slightly more solid foods, you know, into, like, the blocks. I know people like those gummy in, like, the block format foods. Oh, and they're
0: definitely delicious, but that's not conducive to an extremely fast-paced cross-country style course.
1: Right. So when you're in a, say, 3 to 4, five hour race, um, maybe those, then you have more options in the, in the gummies and block type things. And then when you get into more of like the really long distance stuff, you could even get into like bars and Mm -hmm. things potentially. Um, but the same rules apply in terms of trying to get that mix of the glucose and the fructose getting in three to 400 calories per hour, but ideally every on a 15 to 20 minute interval, not waiting for the hour to elapse um, to get like the big bolus of three to 400 calories instead, break it up. Um, and you, that'll help you go the distance.
0: And how important do you think it is to practice this during training?
1: It's very important. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and the time to do this is during either, if you're training for short, high intensity races, do it during your short, high intensity interval training sessions. If you're doing this, if you're training for, uh, long-distance stuff, practice this fueling strategy on your endurance rides. Um, you know, trying to mimic race day as best you can in your training so your gut, you can figure out what's working with your gut and what your tolerance levels are for um, getting the, the grams of carbohydrates in. And as a rule of thumb, the more you can get in that you can tolerate, the better off you're going to be.
0: Awesome. So everyone, get those sugars in. Sugar unleashes your power.
1: Yes, that's don't, the key takeaway. Yeah,
0: don't sabotage all your hard work during a race.
1: Yeah, and even short races, it's super, super critical. Um, we know you can get to the finish line without eating anything, but that's we, not the point. We, we want, want you
0: to get there fast.
1: Faster, right. Keep that power up. The Think of it as like your, what was I even going to say? Like your watts kind of burn on a, Oh yeah. No, that was more of a fat fueling thing, but.
0: Well, your your watts your watts are going to be unleashed when you yeah. consume the sugar. So, figure out what your what your preferences are. Practice during training, and and just execute a really good race strategy, um, for fueling. Exactly. Okay.
1: Cool. Well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you find that somewhat helpful, um, and hopefully, just inspirational to remind you to, to fuel um, in those events and don't wait. Start fueling early, fuel often, and better off you'll be.
0: All right. Bro. All right. Well, good luck.
1: Thanks for listening. Check us out on our website, weightendurance.com, our Instagrams, our Stravas, all the good stuff. And you can send us questions as well. Um, email cody at teamweight.com or kathy at teamweight.com. With any questions you have, we're happy to answer them. And uh, as always, please leave a rating and review Um, Where you're listening to this podcast and share it with your cycling friends.
0: All right, take care. Talk to you soon.
1: Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans.
0: Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling based fitness possible. prepare you for your next riding season.
1: We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling specific strength training and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing and everything in between.
0: Consider our training plan subscription service where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression.
1: Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community. You're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.